Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 216. My name is John and I am fresh off of seeing cinematic masterpiece Sonic the Hedgehog Part 2. Um, with me today is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Uh, not much. It's Easter, but the only eggs we're talking about today are Eggman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. We're we're not really talking about um, Eggman, actually, but I did just see Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and it was awesome. So um, that was a super fun thing to do on Easter. Uh, I loved the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and then I thought this one was even better. So it was it was fantastic. I mean, maybe if there's a little time at the end, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a bonus segment. We'll see um, we'll how see. how it goes. Yeah, we got a pretty full notes document today, so um, and that's because we took last week off um, and did not record an episode last week. So we're catching up on um, a couple of weeks worth of news and Star Wars developments. Um, also, going to be talking about Star Wars Celebration a little bit and. Um, the, uh, the major panels have uh, started to fill in, so we know three of the four days um, worth of premiere kind of major panels. So we're going to talk about those and and uh, what all is happening with Star Wars Celebration. And then um, we're going to wrap up with uh, some Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga impressions, because I've been playing that game over the last week and a half or so. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. Um, so that's the layout for the episode. We'll kick it off here with a little bit of news. And Ryan, I'm going to let you uh, handle this first story because I don't know much about it. Um, and, and, <laughs> All right. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I think I'm happy to stay that way. So um, you go ahead and fill us in on this Kingdom Hearts business. Well, you won't be. You'll be wondering what you missed when you finally dive in. Um, yeah, let's talk about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, so Kingdom Hearts 4 was revealed, uh, by, uh, Square Enix, uh, about a week ago. Um, and there was, um, a great looking, uh, teaser for it. Um, kind of like a, a proof of concept teaser. I mean, there was gameplay, but it was like very, very cinematic. So, um, but you know, it was kind of the um, the vibe of the game and what it uh, is potentially going to look like on current gen hardware, um, and it looked great. But I think what's most uh, noteworthy for um, this podcast in particular is that uh, there may have been a Star Wars sighting uh in in the teaser and if you're not familiar with kingdom hearts um it's ridiculous um it is like it's it's a japanese action rpg um series that um started out combining final fantasy characters and uh and all that with um with disney uh characters and worlds and also the characters that were created exclusively for um the kingdom hearts series and like our boy sora voiced by haley joel osment right yep um, yep, and, yep and recently added to super smash brothers yeah sora for smash brothers so that's a character that was created just for kingdom hearts right 
Exactly, exactly. And See, uh, I know the, a little bit the, about the, the final Smash character, um, yeah. Sora. Yep. Um, so yeah, and so there's been um, a lot of cool. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> the games are kind of. Um, it's it's kind of a blessing and curse the um the disney connection with them because like um i'm i'm mostly a fan of the series and i've played through not all of the games but probably about half of them um and i think they're they're really good games and they um do a lot of a lot of cool stuff and they're just like super fun to play as action rpgs um the the story is bonkers uh which i think is something you know, people uh, refer to a lot, um, but it really doesn't de- detract or add anything to the game. It's just kind of there. Um, it's not a not a deal breaker for me. But the the Disney stages are kind of like the the hit or miss parts um, for me because sometimes there's you know stages that like based on Disney properties that I love and others I don't love so much. So like, and you're kind of, so your little goth heart soars when you go to Halloween town, but that was actually an example I was going to give. (laughs) I was going to say, uh, I'm not so much into spending five hours in the, the Tarzan world, for example. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, when it comes to nightmare before Christmas, uh, I am extremely into that. Um, and there, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Like there's, um, I mean, there's so many across all the games. Um, but we've, the things that we haven't gotten, which people are kind of wondering about with the last game, Kingdom Hearts 3, there are two kind of big questions. Like, is there going to be Marvel and is there going to be Star Wars? Um, and those didn't happen. Neither of them happened in Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, But in this Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer, there is um, a scene that takes place in like a forest area. And uh, there is pretty clearly um, an ATST foot uh, in in the in the scenes um, that you can see kind of like. Uh, it's a little bit out of focus, but it's very clearly in the back of the um, of of the scene. And um, I went back, like I saw this, and then I was like, "Okay, is this something someone just like photoshopped, and now it's going to like spread and go viral?" Um, but I went back and watched the trailer, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's an ATST foot." Um, so. You know, it to me that's pretty uh pretty much confirming um that we're going to see some uh some Star Wars in Kingdom Hearts, which is very exciting. Um, you know, something a a long running position I have had on this show is I want Japanese developed Star Wars games. Um, because I love Japanese developers. I love Japanese games. Um, and this is kind of that, uh, in a way. So I'm really hopefully, uh, hopeful, uh, cautiously optimistic. I feel like this is a thing that's going to happen. Um, I think 
to me, I think Star Wars fits with Kingdom Hearts. Um, I think just in like both the fact that it's their like sword play um, is like a major a major focus. Like that's you know that the Kingdom Hearts games are basically hack and slash action RPGs with magic, and that feels you know. You got lightsabers and you got the force. Like it feels like a like a perfect fit. Um, to me, it fits better than Marvel um, because Marvel, there's just so much disparate stuff in there. Um, and I think like also thematically, um, Kingdom Hearts is like it's very explicitly stated throughout the you know throughout the games. It's literally a battle of light and dark and it just star Wars just at the, you know, cause these worlds in kingdom hearts, they're always kind of like a simplified boiled down to like the bare essentials. Cause you're only in them for five to 10 hours each time. So you can't like go super deep on it and you have to, you know, they have to assume when they're making the game that not everyone has seen all the movies and it has to like make sense. And um, Star Wars just fits perfectly in the in in the Kingdom Hearts mythos. So I think it's something to be really excited about. Yeah, I looked at the trailer and the the stills and stuff, and um, it's impossible for me to believe that that's not an ATST uh, or ATAT foot. I guess ATST, right? Because it's on Endor. So, um, yeah, it's just a hundred percent definitely that. So, um, <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's not official until it's official. But like, how much more official can you get than like you know sliding? Because w- w- video game companies releasing video game trailers, they know how video game people are, right? They know that people are going to see that like mm-hmm. within you know moments of that trailer launching, it's like going to be all over the internet. Like, oh, there's Star Wars and Kingdom Hearts. So um, it's not an accident. It's not. Uh, <laughs> It's not like, well, we'll we'll leave that in the trailer, but who knows if we'll really do Star Wars or not, right? Like you're not you're not yeah. putting that in there unless you're <laughs> you're pretty damn sure that Star Wars is gonna be part of Kingdom Hearts. So yeah. yeah. It's uh seems like um it's definitely happening. Yeah, and if there is a group of fans that uh pick over every detail of trailers in the same way Star Wars fans do, uh it's Kingdom Hearts fans. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and Kingdom Hearts fans are used to, um, you know, entries in the series having confusingly numbered titles, um, and so are Star Wars fans. So, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. that's a that's another um, commonality between between those groups. So, um, cool. Well, Ryan, I look forward to you being the um, resident Kingdom Hearts correspondent um, for this podcast whenever that game comes out. Um, and you can fill us in on the Star Wars content. Absolutely. Probably going to be a while, uh, but absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Um, so let's move on to the next story then, which is the rumor that um, Peter Ramsey is going to be directing at least one episode of the Ahsoka TV show or Disney Plus show. 
which is going to start filming sometime in April. Um, at least that's the word on the street. So Peter Ramsey, for those who don't know, which would include myself um, until I read this article, is um, one of the directors. He was a co-director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which uh, is a movie that rules almost as much as Sonic 2. So um, he is awesome. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, it's it's uh, it seems very likely that he is going to be directing at least an episode here of the Ahsoka show. Um, he's mostly known for animated work, uh, although he does have some experience working, not directing live action, I don't think, but being involved in live action stuff. I guess he started out as like a storyboard artist and uh, then then made his way into directing animation. But um, I think Into the Spider-Verse is really you know, very easily one of the most incredible animated films I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if he, if he co-directed that, then I'm uh, pretty excited to hear that he's involved in Ahsoka uh, seemingly anyway. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, into the spider verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, it's, I think one of, like you were saying, I think it's one of the best animated films of any genre ever um and um you know i think it's it's a nice bit of good news for probably the star wars show i'm least excited about (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um this uh this helps me a little bit um even though i'm uh still just not totally in love with the idea of this Ahsoka show in its current state. Um, yeah. But this, I mean, it sure. helps. Like, I think, um, you know, I think some of the, some of the casting announcements we've got have been really good. Um, I think it may just be kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, I can not, really you know not love the actress who's playing ahsoka i could maybe not feel like this is a story i really need in live action but still like appreciate things in the periphery of it because you know there'll be there'll be other things happening sure yeah um and it's i think it's interesting too dave filoni of course obviously is primarily or has been until the last few years primarily an animation director and so this is, uh, I assume, um, his show, Dave Filoni's show, you know, and I'm sure John Favreau's involved too, but Ahsoka is his baby. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I know Filoni is going to be sort of um, directing, uh, or I guess I should say running this show, like uh, as the showrunner and in, in, in overseeing this entire show, probably directing quite a few episodes himself. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that he's an animation director, um, or at least that's, you know, what he was for a long time. And now he's working in live action as well. But um, it's interesting or, um, you know, kind of makes sense if Peter Ramsey is also interesting and in, or interested in directing live action that uh, working on a show that's being helmed by an animation director would be a, a good a good way to, to, you know, kind of enter that new arena, you know, mm-hmm. um, under the tutelage, or I guess just, you know, with the helping hand of somebody who himself has recently made the jump from directing animation to directing live action. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. So cool. Well, um, as you said, that's something to look forward to as far as the Ahsoka show goes. We know very little about it. We may find out a little more about it next month at Star Wars Celebration. And apparently it is, if not filming now, should be filming uh, very shortly. So that is on the horizon. Um, Potentially, allegedly rumored to be on the horizon as well is a second, um, I guess, season or a second anthology, second set of uh, Star Wars Visions shorts, which um, I know that uh, we would both be very excited um, about, Ryan. And this is a story from Cinelinks, which um, dropped earlier this week. This uh, the, the writer is Jordan Mason, um, and uh, the article claims that uh, a few different um, sources, independent of one another, reached out to him to share the fact that Star Wars Vision 2, uh, Visions 2 is in the works and um, may even be releasing sometime later this year. So that uh, is awesome. I mean, some of the uh, directors and and creators behind the initial set of um, Star Wars Visions shorts were kind of already talking about wanting to do more even when the first set uh, released. So uh, not difficult to imagine that, you know, the ball could have started rolling um, right away or maybe even before the first uh, the first series of Star Wars Visions released, and these are pretty short episodes um, or short, I guess you know, animated films. So it uh, it seems reasonable, actually. You know, when you when you think about it, that it wouldn't necessarily take a super long time to get a second um, set of Star Wars Visions released, especially if the studios they're working with are the same ones or largely the same ones from the first go round. You know, it's uh, you've done a lot of the legwork in terms of. Um, you know, setting up the relationship between Lucasfilm and these uh, animation studios and, um, you know, potentially character designs and things like that. If, if some of the Star Wars Visions 2 shorts are continuing stories from the first go round, um, et cetera. So I think it's pretty believable, um, dare I say, pretty likely that uh, more Visions is on the way. And if it was coming this year, that'd be, be really sweet. Yeah, yeah. To me, it seems kind of like a no brainer. Um, I think you have a few, a few benefits here. Um, I think first, you have fans who, you know, I think pretty much everyone I've heard from who watched them, uh, at least loved a significant portion of them. Um, I think they're they're so disparate that. You know, I don't think there's anyone I know who loved every single short, but, you know, I heard, you know, there were some similarities in the ones that people loved, but they're also like, oh, okay, well, I didn't really care for that one, but you love it. And that's awesome um, kind of thing. Um, So I think, you know, there is. I I don't think it, you know, I don't think the the largest possible amount of people who could have watched Visions did. Um, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, it was, you know, significantly less people than, um, you know, something like Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett who watched it. But also, I think less people watched it than watched the traditional Star Wars animation. Um And I think what's, I mean, and this is just anecdotal, like I don't have any concrete figures for this, but um, I was kind of hoping that 
more people who were very casual Star Wars fans and like, you know, people who just like have seen the movies and kind of stuff, but like are into anime would watch it. Um, but I don't know that that didn't really seem to be the case. Um, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who are just into like general Japanese culture, video games, manga, anime, that sort of thing. And it didn't seem like it had like a big crossover appeal with um, the general uh, weeb sect. Um, So that's unfortunate. And I think, you know, I strongly feel that it deserves better. I think like there's still like I I mean, we still have friends that I'm like, hey, watch Star Wars Visions, like hardcore Star Wars fans who still haven't watched it. I'm like, hey, watch this. It's good. Watch one a night. Like, you don't have to, like, binge the whole thing. Like, they're, like, 10 to 20 minutes. Just, like, like, just be open-minded and just watch it. Like, you'll probably like something in there. In totality, it's less than like a full Star Wars movie to watch all of Star Wars visions. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't have to like watch them in any order. Like, you don't have to like, I mean, you can watch them one a week and like not, um, you know, not, not be, not have to worry about like, oh, wait, what happened in the last episode or um, whatever. But, anyways, I think. I think despite it not having the the massive audience that I think uh, it deserves, um, I, I still think even if there's just like a moderate audience, I think the people who have watched it are range from like, oh, yeah, I'll watch more of that to like extremely passionate about it. Like I know people who have watched these shorts five to 10 times each um, or like certain ones like a dozen times. Um, But there's like, there's a few benefits. Like one, these are out of continuity. So like, you don't have to have like the, you know, the, the story group like being consistently occupied with um you know checking continuity for these and all of that um and the other benefit is and i mean this is kind of a kind of a just sad reality but um these were probably pretty affordable to produce just based on the fact that Anime in Japan is a um, low-cost, low-paying art form. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something that, you know, it's like, kind of like, I don't know, like superhero comics or something here, where people just, people make these things, they churn them out, and, like, no one becomes a millionaire making them. Um, you know, there's like a handful of people, but you know, the, the actual people down doing, doing the work, um, are not making a ton of money and they are producing these like really cheap. Um, so like, I think it's for, 
you know, Lucasfilm to fund these, fund these, it's probably not a huge hit for them. Yeah. And I think Disney plus is probably still in the phase two where it's like, um, we, we want to make this service look, um, like it's really content rich and, and full mm-hmm. of like new and exciting content, and whatever. And, um, you know, obviously like they're going to respond to the shows and the series that put up big numbers and, you know, that's what they're going to be excited to like continue, you know, doing and do more of that and whatever. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, like you said, if this is affordable to produce, um, and it's critically well received, which it is critically well mm-hmm. received, then it's like, okay, right. the, the, you know, I think a, a service like Disney plus is willing to fund some prestige projects or whatever you want to call them because they, you know, just contribute to like a good reputation for the service and things like that. True. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's a net positive really. Like if it's like, if they're cheap to put together, even if they're not doing huge, huge numbers, like, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're still creating the impression, um, that you're consistently putting out big content or, you know, new content and, and, and you have a service that uh, has a lot to offer. So, um, Yeah. I guess that's a that's a long way of saying like even if it's not you know doing record viewership numbers if it's affordable to produce I think they're still in that stage where it's like let's get a lot of good content on this service so that people know it's a service that's worth you know investing in so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching Severance right now on Apple TV Plus which uh, so far I don't really like it that much because it's kind of depressing and weird but um, everybody's <laughs> talking about how great it is. Oh my God, it's so good. Uh-huh, and so uh-huh. I'm just like powering through the first season just because I'm like, well, I got to watch this show that I don't really like so far um, because everybody says it's it's really worth watching. And uh, I just bring that up because I think Apple TV Plus is a service like that too at the moment where it's like, there's a lot of shows on Apple TV Plus that seem to be really um, critically well-received, but like a lot of them fly super under the radar. Like uh, I've been hearing a lot about the uh, For All Mankind show, which is some kind of like space show. I don't know, like space travel, like, I don't know, whatever, NASA show or something. I've never seen it, but the third season is coming out. And uh, it, that seems to be another example of one of these shows. that's like critically like does very well, but it doesn't seem like something that a ton of people watch. But I think Apple TV right now is just like, if it's a good show and it's being critically well received, like we're going to keep producing it so that we're filling our, like we were trying to create the reputation that we are a service that has really good content and is always putting out new good content. And I don't think you're going to get canceled by that service right now, just because you're not like doing, you know, the big streaming numbers because it's still in its infancy and they're still trying to populate it with like good content and just develop that reputation. Whereas like something like Netflix right now seems to be like, We've got so much content, so many subscribers and uh, such a huge budget for all the shows that we're producing that we're like canceling stuff like left and right unless it's like really doing big numbers. But I don't think Disney Plus is doing that. I don't think Apple TV Plus is doing that. So I think like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's we're still in a place where it would make a lot of sense for more Star Wars visions, regardless of the, you know, the, the viewership numbers so far. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully we'll hear more about uh, Visions at Celebration. Um, I would love just to go to like a Visions panel um, about the first season totally. of Visions. Um, I, would, I, I know there's an art. That. Yeah, I know there's an art of Visions panel or panel art of Visions book coming out from Dark Horse, I think, right? Yeah, yep. Um, so looking forward to that too. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll also hear more about uh, more Visions. So 
fingers crossed for that. Last story here before we start talking about Star Wars Celebration, Ryan. Um, I saw that uh, Entertainment Weekly put up a, uh, a new article um, earlier this week or last week or whatever about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So uh, they put the issue out. You bought the issue. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a series of little web articles uh, sourced from the kind of main article in the Entertainment Weekly issue proper um, in the weeks leading up to that. But uh, this week afterwards, they put out a, a new article, which uh, seems to be just like we pulled some quotes from the interviews that, you know, didn't make it into the the full on article. These are uh, quotes from uh, writer Joby Harold uh, about the show. So I just pulled them out because uh, there's some good stuff in here and um, it kind of goes into more detail about some of the things that had been discussed a little bit previously um, in the EW article and by us on the show. So uh, I want to run through these quickly. The first one reads, the empire is in the ascendancy and all the horrors that come with the empire are being made manifest throughout the galaxy and the Jedi order, as we know them are being all but wiped out. So everything that was in the prequels has crumbled. Um, And then kind of continuing off of that, uh, he states within that hopeless fatalistic world, we find possibly the most famous of all our survivor surviving Jedi in hiding, struggling with that faith that defines the Jedi and wanting to hold on to it and hoping to regain that faith within that sort of hopeless world. Um, so those two comments, you know, kind of, I thought were interesting because again, they've, they've made comments like this before, um, or there was stuff like this in that EW article, but it kind of uh, is uh, reinforcing the idea that like, it's kind of a dark place for the galaxy and for, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and probably, um, other characters in the show as well. So, um, much was made of Kathleen Kennedy's comment and, and I guess the, the kind of rumor, um, or the, the revelation, uh, that the show had been restarted to make it a little more hopeful. Um, and we, we talked about that a little bit, but it does sound like, um, it's going to be starting off anyways in kind of a, a dark place and a, uh, a bit of a, <clears throat> a struggle for Obi-Wan. Um, and then the other two, uh, quotes that I will share here in a second are about kind of how he makes the journey from that to, you know, maybe someplace, uh, a little better emotionally and, uh, psychologically. So any thoughts on the, the first two comments there, Ryan? No, no, I think, um, you know, we've, uh, I, I feel like we've already talked this to death. Um, but you know, the, the important, thing to notice like or to acknowledge um in this time period and with obi-wan is like yeah things things are terrible um we we know that at revenge at the end of revenge of the sith um and they're going to get worse in the immediate aftermath before um, before the galaxy just kind of settles into the like state of submission um, that it's in at the beginning of um, of a new hope um, and or I guess now at the beginning of Rogue One um, but you know the most of the galaxy had just by by the time we get to like Rogue One most of the galaxy had just accepted the the empire's rule and or been like well it's too big we can't fight it and then like the entire purpose of rogue one and a new hope are like wait there's some people who believe that they can fight it 
but like and and that's weird like that's crazy um and so yeah so i think we we this is going to this time period it would make sense for like you know the empire to be wielding like the iron fist um during this time and like you know and and we we kind of see that in rebels even though like rebels is a little more lighthearted um you know tonally um throughout but um yeah like things should be kind of terrible like <laughs> they kind of need to be um for like the the story to work like but at the same time we do know that the obi-wan we meet at the beginning of a new hope is one very weird and two at peace um and you know he's he's determined he's he has strong beliefs and convictions and he's at peace um so it's not like when luke meets obi-wan he's like this really dark brooding dude like and so we this series it would be weird if this series ended with obi-wan being like dark depressed brooding guy um yeah Yeah, unless unless there was more and you know like there was another true there's still like a gap yeah yeah. but i think we would at least see the like i don't know like because who knows maybe there's gonna be five seasons of this um but uh you know you you would think they would at least try especially with you know the idea that this is a one season six episode show you would think they would try to like at least put obi-wan on the path of you know recovery of um finding peace um so that's kind of how you know i i thought this series was going to kind of go from the beginning so um Mm. but I also like nothing is, you know, so these, these statements are kind of re- reinforcing that. Um, in right. a way. Yeah. And then the other two statements I wanted to, uh, to share here from this article um, are about that journey. So it says he goes on a journey that allows him to travel from that character that we saw in the last of the prequels where McGregor really felt like he was embodying Obi-Wan Kenobi to a pretty extraordinary degree and ends with him as the more finished article that Sir Alec Guinness gave to the world in A New Hope. And so in this very specific time in the history of Star Wars when the Jedi are on the run, we get to sort of stand next to and watch Obi-Wan as he runs the gauntlet. And this is the part that I think, uh, you know, kind of hypes me up or, or I think is really interesting as he runs the gauntlet and has to survive a pretty extraordinary experience. Um, and then he continues to say part of the journey of what he goes through is reconciling that past and coming to understand it and coming to understand his place in it and that journey and the places he has to go emotionally as well as physically. And some of those battles he has to fight are very much to do with facing that past and understanding who he was, his part in his own history and the history of others. So, um, yeah, I mean, the second part there is, is a little more emotional and it's about like, you know, his, his, uh, emotional balance and his understanding of, you know, his failure with Anakin and his failure on Mustafar and his mission with Luke and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, which, uh, I think as we talked about, 
you know, whether it should be, should it be Darth Maul who's the enemy in this show or should it be the villain, you know, or should it be Darth Vader? We kind of got into the fact that like, no, it, it probably should be Darth Vader, right? Because that's what his whole story and conflict and struggle and, you know, everything turmoil, that's what it's all linked to is Anakin mm-hmm. and Darth Vader. So that makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the sound of, uh, you know, he, we watch as Obi-Wan runs the gauntlet and has to survive a pretty extraordinary, uh, experience. Um, you know, I've been on record saying, I also like the sound of him sitting around in the desert by a campfire for six episodes. Like I could have gone mm-hmm. for that show too, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea that, uh, that stuff gets pretty real here and, uh, you know, there's going to be some, some excitement, some adventure, some, some drama, you know? Um, and it sounds like there will be, there will be a, a, a fairly big star Wars journey and story for Obi-Wan to go on. Um, and you know, if, if you're going to make as the creators of the show, if they're going to make these statements about like, well, we, you know, they didn't use this verb, but like, we're really challenging this guy and putting him through the ringer and he's going to be somebody different at the end of the show than he was at the beginning. Then, you know, I think it makes sense that like, then some stuff is going to go down. Some things are going to get real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I'm like super excited to see how that plays out, what that's going to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go on a, on a ride with the show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, I think we're kind of just at the point where, um, just need to see it, uh, really like we're, I mean, we're, we're pretty close now. And, uh, I think a lot of my worries, concerns, um, about the show, I think have, um, yeah, been mostly put to rest. Um, yeah, I still think there is like, there's the question of necessity, but we'll, we'll know that, you know, time will tell on that. Um, but you know, I'm pretty, I'm going into it pretty open-minded at this point. Um, Whereas I was a lot more apprehensive when it was kind of first, uh, first conceived. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I think to me, it's, uh, I don't have much, um, information yet. Right. I mean, we have these quotes from the people that are selling the show they made, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's going to sound good based on what they have to say about it, but it does sound good. I like the things they're saying. Um, I've seen a trailer, which I thought looked great. So, you know, that's cool. Um, everything looks good so far. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Ewan McGregor and I feel like he wouldn't come back and do a garbage every one show. So, um, that being said, you know, that being said, like you don't have total control over that, right? Nobody does. And, uh, you know, things might seem like they're going to work out and then, you know, stuff goes awry. But, uh, but generally speaking, my faith in him is pretty strong and I feel like he has good taste and, and makes good choices about, you know, the parts that he plays, et cetera. So, um, I feel like he's back because this is going to be substantial and good. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also, I guess, uh, what I'm working up to here is that like the stuff that has the most potential to really be exciting and moving to me, um, is often the stuff that's also the biggest gamble because it's like, it could, it could disappoint me. I mean, if it has the potential to excite me, like, you know, more than most things and be that, like I'm that hyped for it, then, you know, it also has the potential to disappoint in the same, you know, to the same way where it's like going into the Mandalorian season one, for instance, or especially going into like book of Boba Fett or bad batch. It's like, well, 
I don't, I don't not, my hype level is not mega high, but then also it's like, you know, as a, as a consequence, it really can't disappoint me that much. Like, even if it's terrible, you know, but when you go into something and you're like, oh my God, this is like, I love you and McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is going to be the best. Then there is that danger, right? That like, oops, what if it's not good? So, um, yeah, that's, that's always a possibility, I guess is all I'm saying. But so far signs, it, things are looking good. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm still very excited. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, that's real. Uh, what you were, what you were saying. Um, I think, uh, you know, um, two of my absolute favorite star Wars movies. Um, so first, uh, the last Jedi, um, was followed by, uh, rise of Skywalker and (laughs) it, uh, did not uh, meet my expectations um, following episode eight. And uh, one of my other favorite Star Wars movies is Revenge of the Sith. And this is kind of the, you know, direct follow up follow up to that to that film. So um, there's definitely some concern. And that's, you know, I think that's part of the reason why I spent months being like, do we have to do this? Can we just you know, can we just leave it alone? <laughs> like we got, we got rogue one and then we have a new hope. Like, I think, I think we're good. Um, and, but you know, they've been saying a lot of stuff that, I mean, you know, I, they didn't sell me on that. Uh, those for those earliest comments that were like the, the lightsaber rematch of the century or whatever, <laughs> like that wasn't, that didn't excite me. Um, but you know some of the stuff from this this EW um, article, and especially you know with um, Joby being like a new uh, kind of like an unknown writer um, to me, it was someone that like I was apprehensive about. Um, you know, like Deborah Chow, yeah, like I I know like she's going to do great work, but you sometimes you can only do so much with a with a bad script. Um, and so I was like pretty, pretty apprehensive about this dude, but, um, a lot of the stuff, um, he's, he's been saying has, you know, like, okay, yeah, that, that tracks, that sounds good. Um, that makes sense. I, I understand like you, you do have a vision for this and it, you know, it, it seems like it could work. So. Yeah. And also it seems like, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, that this, seems like it might be a sort of a rogue one type situation as far as like the scripts and things go, because like rogue one, like that, if you'll remember like that script, uh, started out as a story by John Knoll, but then it, there was passes on that script by quite a few different writers, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. three, four or five different writers took a stab at that script. And then obviously Tony, uh, Oh my God, what's his name? Um, Dillard. I'm forgetting his name that, the uh, the guy who produced it and came in and kind of directed it again at the end, G- who is Gillard. The- Gillard? Is that Nick right? Gillard? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't thinking? know. But I can't believe his name is slipping my mind right now. But it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a lot of creative input on that. And it was like a script that went through some journeys and went through some different hands and things like that. But sometimes that seems like it's like a, uh, like, oh my God, they can't get this script right. And other times I think it's like just, it's being refined a little bit, you know, as it goes. But maybe it started out as a good idea. It was a good idea all the way through. You know what I mean? It's not like that it was ever garbage or anything. Because, um, Ewan McGregor was on 
record is talking about those scripts. I think, you know, before they halted it and apparently restarted it with different, you know, updated scripts and stuff and saying like the scripts mm-hmm. are really good, but they want to make them even a little bit better or whatever, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think like, hopefully, uh, I guess just bringing up Joby Harold, like hopefully it's not that the, <laughs> the show was in deep trouble and then he came in and saved it, but more just, you know, that he kind of gave it that extra 20% or, you know, kind of unified mm-hmm. the vision a little bit after a lot of different people had kind of contributed and, and helped shape it or whatever. So did yeah. you find his name? Tony, Tony G- Gilroy Gilroy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. my bad. Yeah. So... I think it's cause I saw the top gun trailer earlier today. So then I was thinking Tony Scott, but it wasn't. So anyway, <laughs> sorry, continue. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's n- nothing nothing wrong with multiple writers um taking a stab at a at a Star Wars script. Um it is something that's um been pretty pretty consistent throughout throughout the franchise. Um and sometimes those revisions can can be for for the best and revisions reshoots can be for the best and so not not to assume assume the worst Um, right 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 uh yeah definitely not so we're um a little more than a month away from the show coming out so i think there's going to be obviously a lot more uh obi-wan kenobi kind of news and content and uh excitement in the upcoming episodes of the podcast here and in the upcoming weeks um and uh the fact that the obi-wan kenobi show is only a few weeks away means that star wars celebration is only a few weeks away so we want to catch up on the sort of schedule here for what we can look forward to ryan um at star wars celebration um you know for those of us who are attending and for those of us who presumably will be uh, you know, following along at home, like uh, with a live stream, I expect that announcement to come sometime in the next few weeks that there will be a, you know, um, the Star Wars show or however they want to brand it will be live streaming uh, Star Wars Celebration. I hope that's the case. But yeah. anyway, um, we have an idea of what the, the big panels are going to be for three of the four days so far. So we now know that on Thursday, May 26th, um, there will be a panel that morning um, about live action Star Wars shows, including Obi-Wan Kenobi and or and the Mandalorian. So that's going to be the Thursday morning panel. Um, and let's just run through what all of them are and then we'll talk about kind of, you know, the panels overall. Um, then on Saturday, we know that there will be a panel called Mando Plus, a conversation with John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, and so they will be there along with special guests. And they, Ryan, are going to be looking back and also looking ahead at what's to come for The Mandalorian. And then uh, finally, on Sunday, in a can't miss panel for you personally, um, David Collins will be hosting Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, uh, the executive producers of that show, Brad Rao and Jen Corbett will be there as well as some of the, uh, the talent involved story editor, Matt McNivets, um, probably messed that name up and D Bradley Baker will be there and, uh, Michelle Ong also who plays Omega. So, um, that panel's happening on Sunday morning. So we've got Thursday morning, live action television, sort of umbrella, right? We've got Saturday, Mando plus, and we've got Sunday bad batch. Um, those I think 
uh, are shaping up to be the three kind of centerpiece panels for, for each of those days. But uh, the Friday panel has not been announced yet. So mm-hmm. what do you think about these panels? Um, and then I also definitely want to talk about what might be happening Friday. But uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's your excitement level for these panels, Ryan? Um, yeah, I mean, I will be um, for whatever happens on Thursday and Friday, I will be um, either watching stream streams live or catching up on them later or catching up on news because I am not going to be in Anaheim until like midnight on Friday night. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm so curious, so curious about the Thursday, um, panel, the showcase, um, the current well yeah like the current crop of live action filmmakers will be joined by special guests to discuss the mini star wars adventures coming soon including obi-wan kenobi Andor, and the mandalorian um it's it's so it's most exciting I mean, most exciting there is Andor because I think for sure totally. we get some good concrete information about Andor um, because that's launching later this year. And like, why wouldn't they, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get some good info on Andor because we know very little about that show really so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen anything except for the behind the scenes uh, footage. So yeah, we'll definitely get um, some, some good, uh, a good look at Andor on some level. Um, you know, hopefully uh, maybe a little teaser or, you know, something like that. I'm sure we'll get some still photos and some, you know, good comments from cast and crew, that kind of thing. So I mean, that that's most exciting. Um, and I say that because, you know, there's a whole panel about Mando on Saturday. So even though they've included right. Mando in the lineup for Thursday, it doesn't feel like that's where we'd get a lot of info about Mandalorian season three. If that's something, you know, we're excited for, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about Mando season three for sure. But I mean, you know, it just doesn't really seem like that would be the place for too much content uh, as far as Mando goes, because we have a whole panel about it on Saturday. So Obi-Wan Kenobi releases later that day. So as much as like, oh, man, a panel about Obi-Wan Kenobi um, would be cool. And there might still be one, uh, you know, um, the way that this panel is being phrased, like learn about upcoming Star Wars shows. Well, one of them is going to be debuting that day. And then <laughs> the other one is getting a whole panel on Saturday. So that mm-hmm. leads me to believe there will be some good content or some some announcements and discussion of stuff that is not listed in that article on StarWars.com. If you catch my drift. Yeah, I'm just worried that all that means is Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, I, I mean- think there's... I think there's good potential for that High Republic, Stranger Things, High Republic, you know, show mm. to be talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's I like when I first saw this headline, I like kind of kind of flipped because like the third word in it is filmmaker. And, Mm. you know, and that's, I guess, I guess we don't call them TV makers. (laughs) I guess, I guess they are filmmakers. Um, But like, I was immediately thinking like 
movies like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be what's up with the films um so yeah but it's not that um yeah it doesn't seem like that yeah i don't know if there's much chance of that um but yeah i think for me out of this one like i want i want some andor stuff Mm. i think Mm -hmm. that that show is like i don't know it's like it's definitely not like exciting in the same way something like obi-wan kenobi is or you know season three of the mandalorian which are like the big shows um but it is really exciting to me because we know it's going to be so different like it has to be like you can't i mean you you can't really like have that i mean i guess you could like have that show and have like um you know just a bunch of like huge cameos and stuff and it happening in it but like that doesn't seem like i guess you could you could get ahsoka in there somewhere like i guess you could get a a deep fake luke in there somewhere um but like you that doesn't seem to be what that show is going for and i think like it's you know it it's to me andor seems like the show that's going to fulfill what was originally promised with rogue one um because when we first heard about rogue one like we heard it's going to be like this is like dark gritty it's a war movie it's an espionage movie it's the great escape it's you know it it's all this and like and it 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 is that for like the first two thirds of the movie and then then it's like giant space battle and Darth Vader and you know everything everything and Death Star and you know everything at that happens at in like the last act which I still like but like I really like the Rogue One I had in my head was like just this incredibly fresh like gritty dark um weird thing and i think the andor show is going to deliver on this like this like gray area moral ambiguity uh just kind of like weird part of star wars that we've seen like we've seen that stuff in star wars we've seen it in rogue one and we've seen it with characters like dj in the last Jedi. And I think, you know, them really leaning into that is really exciting. And I just, I don't know. So in like a lot of ways, I'm in different ways. I'm as excited for Andor as I am something like Mando season three or Obi-Wan. Yeah. I think it has the potential to be really, really compelling. Um, And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I don't know how to put this because it's like, I don't, it's not like I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait until star Wars appeals to like, you know, audiences who normally don't like star Wars things or something, but like, it just feels like it has the potential to be a show that is 
really dramatic and really like character, uh, uh, you know, focused and could be something that's, you know, I just think about like some of the shows that are, you know, like a show like the Americans, for instance, which it seems to be influenced by and, you know, originally included some of the, the creative voices behind that show, you know, working on this and like how that's something that it's just so different from a normal kind of Star Wars show or whatever. And, and I yeah. guess like, I don't really follow the Marvel shows, but I know that there's, it seems to me anyways, as somebody, you know, on the outside looking in that there's uh, quite a few of them that are, um, you know, kind of like superhero, like kind of feel like what you'd expect from a Marvel show. But then once in a while, um, I think there's one that's kind of like cut from a different cloth, right. And has a very different vibe and is like something mm-hmm. that can kind of cross over and, and, you know, just feel unique in a, in a, in the in the larger kind of scope of of marvel shows right like that happens sometimes yes and no i think um i think oh there i think both i i honestly have kind of dropped off the marvel thing um in recent well in probably like i guess since falcon and winter soldier was actually the last marvel thing i watched i guess outside of spider-man um and I, I finally kind of hit the MCU fatigue. Um, but, you know, I think both WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier both started off like super compelling and like, oh, wow, this is different. This is different. And then their kind of third act is like, oh, this is Marvel. <laughs> Like we're going to have yeah, a big yeah. superhero fight uh, for the last episode. Um and I, you know, I, I, I want to kind of believe that like Andor doesn't really need to do that because like, and like Cassian Andor gets his big action hero moment. And after like the giant battle at the end of Rogue One, like there's not yeah. like, you you don't really have to like double deliver that and you can just let this be a show that just kind of like you know sits in this one one area and like maybe recontextualizes stuff in Rogue One but also just tells like this kind of self-contained story in like you know a a different style yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's super curious to see. Um, and, and this is a show that we basically know is getting a second season as well, which I think is, mm-hmm. is really interesting too, because yeah, I don't know. I mean, I watched, um, the, uh, what was the name of the, sh- uh, WandaVision. I watched WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I liked it. And, um, but I was like the opposite of, I think most people I talked to, which is like, oh yeah, I was a little shaky on it at first, but by the end I loved it. Like to <laughs> me, I loved it in, the first you know two thirds because it was so different and then by the end i was like okay this is fine but it didn't it just you know was so similar to a lot of other marvel things that like i kind of i still liked it but you know i mean like it just it it lost me a little bit towards the end um and so anyways uh i'm just curious to see you know kind of what kind of path andor follows uh i think it it could just be a smaller scale show but one that's like really dramatic and and you know um a show like the Americans or, or something like that doesn't need to have some big, you know, giant season ending, you know, huge special effects laden, um, event because you can build towards 
such a dramatic conclusion. You know what I mean? Shocking, surprising, exciting, whatever, just in terms of like character choices and interactions and things like that, that it doesn't necessarily have to be some giant space battle towards the end. And also uh, the reason, you know, I brought up the fact that we're getting a second season is like, of course they could build towards some big event at the end of season one and then, you know, bring it back down for season two and build towards another big dramatic event for the end of season two. But also maybe like if, if they're telling this story over a longer period of time, like WandaVision would it have had to end with that giant, you know, kind of two episode big MCU battle thing. If it was coming back for a second season, because it, that was like that whole story was, you know, climaxing there. But we know that Andor is going to continue beyond season one. So I think there's more uh, reason to believe, too, that like at least season one doesn't need to to do what you're kind of describing, because it's not even they're not even finishing the story of the Andor show at the end of season one. Right. There's right. more story to tell. Um, so, yeah, I just expect more more mystery, more um, espionage, more, you know, kind of tension. I think it's gonna be tense. I think it's gonna be like really edge of your seat, like anxiety, you know, inducing potentially like who's going to die, who's not, you know, like that kind of thing, but probably, um, different, uh, different formula, different kind of genre than a lot of Star Wars stuff. So that's, as you said, very exciting. Yeah. I think, um, just one last thing on that, like you had mentioned, like the, the crossover appeal, the, the crossover to like, you know, people who are like TV watchers, um, and like, you know, everyone has Disney plus, <laughs> like it is a pretty ubiquitous, um, streaming service. Um, so like, you know, anyone, people who weren't necessarily interested in, you know, book of Boba Fett, um, could, you know, find, find something here. But I think like what, what I think of is even for people who are like, and I'm talking like people who like didn't even watch Mandalorian, like the potential for this to hit with, um, you know, just non like non fans, basically. I mean, everyone kind of knows in broad strokes, the story of star Wars, they know the empire, they know the rebellion. I think it's like, if you're in tune to pop culture in any capacity you kind of know that um but to me i think the the people that it could bring in are the the non-fantasy fans who watched game of thrones like there were people who would like i i know people like i work with who would never even watch like lord of the rings who watched game of thrones and it was because it was this really compelling character drama with you know that was like complex and you know at least for the first few you know first half of the show i would say it was like just not condescending like it kind of just threw you into it and um you know challenged you consistently and it was just really, really compelling television for, you know, like five years. Um, and I think that was just, you know, positive word of mouth. But like it, you know, people who had never read those books, never cared about fantasy, were like really invested um, in in that show. And so 
I don't think the genre or even the Star Wars name is, you know, a a deterrent if you have this show that can kind of like, that's just compelling television that can kind of exist in its own bubble and just be like super well made. And Mm. if the show delivers on that, like that could be, that could be really, really cool. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, And then, you know, I was going to mention too, like uh, I know plenty of people that don't like Rogue One, I guess, but I know a lot of people who on a certain segment of people who are like kind of havesies or not entirely invested in Disney Star Wars as it's referred to. But, um, mm-hmm. but really like Rogue One, we'll be like, well, Rogue One was awesome, you know, or Rogue One's like, I hear all the time, like Rogue One's the best thing that Disney's done or whatever, you know, um, I've heard that from quite a few people. So I think like, but I also know people that don't like my kids don't like it at all. My wife doesn't really like it at all. You know, um, we have friends who don't like it at all, but mm-hmm. then, but I do know people who, who really, you know, like it. And, um, yeah. So I think like there, there's people who are going to come to the show because they like Rogue One and they like the character of Cassie Andor or whatever. Um, it's a little bit darker star Wars, et cetera, those kinds of things. And then, um, I think, you know, it does have the potential even to win over people who weren't into rogue one necessarily just because uh of you know the kinds of things you were describing there right if it can capture you know the zeitgeist and it's a different kind of star wars etc then um yeah there's a lot of potential there and clearly clearly they see that potential as well as there's going to be more and or you know following this season Mm -hmm. um as well so you know uh also my comments earlier about how they probably just want to keep getting good content on the on the on the uh uh, on the service as well but i mean hey it's it's a good sign that they're already working on season two um with before way before season one even debuts so yeah a lot of good signs there hopefully it'll find an audience i think it will um and i'm really excited for it but other shows uh kind of quickly um you know and then we should talk about the other panels and, and what mm-hmm. might happen on friday but you know um i'd love to get an update on lando if it's happening oh god um, i forgot about that 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 would be great to get an update on lando okay yeah. um yeah what was the show called a droid tale or something like that i don't know if this is the kind of place where they would update us on that at all but that was oh, like, like the ilm one yeah whatever it was yeah yeah um and then i think um yeah it would be great and i think we will hear at least a little something about the acolyte you know um, that's not filming yet. So, you know, I don't, I don't expect a big blowout or anything, but, um, if Leslie has Hedlin was there and came out and talked for five minutes about the show, that'd be really cool. I wouldn't be shocked if they showed one or two pieces of concept art or, you know, something like that. Like just kind of get like, cause that's a show that people were pretty, pretty excited about, but it's been silent, you know, mostly, which makes sense. Uh, well, you know, it's not even filming yet, so it's okay that they're not talking about it, but, um, but yeah, I, I would love, especially with them taking like entire panels on Saturday and Sunday to talk about Mando and Bad Batch. Um, I, I would love if, you know, this was talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and, and Andor, but also maybe like, let's update you on some of the stuff that we really haven't talked about since what a year and a half ago um yeah. or whatever it was when when all those logos were thrown out there <laughs> um, oh yeah I, i'd love to hear hear some updates on that stuff yeah um, for sure yeah M- mando season three i mean what they filmed it um they'll talk about it a little bit um uh, i don't think we'll see like any footage yet um uh, it's probably a little early for that although they did show uh, a whole scene from from mando yeah, season i think one we'll at, see well you think so 
Yeah. We're we're gonna they're going to show Amando season three clip with a zinger. Okay, cool. Well I'm 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 there for that. I'm I'm into it. I, I uh, they may only show it to a... the people in the room. That's what happened for us in Chicago. We were in the room, so we got to That's see that true. scene. But well, they showed some footage to everybody, and then they sh- they they went dark on some on on the other footage. So yeah, and like yeah, and John Favreau being like, yeah, uh, please turn off your phones. Anyways, here we go, and then like you just <laughs> saw a bunch of phones go up when you were in the yeah. room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people will will see it one way or another. Um, So, but anyway, I'm excited for that. I mean, I don't think we need to talk too much about it because like, we'll, we'll find out what they show then and we'll find out what the direction is for at least a little bit about the direction for Mandalorian season three, um, Mm -hmm. when it happens, but we know that they're going to really kind of, uh, talk Mando on Saturday. So I don't think that'll be a big part of Thursday. Oh yeah. I meant like, we'll see a scene from Mando season three over the course of on, the weekend, probably on Saturday yeah, on, yeah. on Saturday at the panel. Right. Right. You know, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, but then Sunday, same thing with, with the bad batch. It's like, you know, that we got a whole panel there. So I think, um, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll get the update on when it's coming out, probably see some footage. Um, mm-hmm. Disney plus is a different thing than, than, uh, you know, the, the, the animated star Wars shows that aired on Disney XD or whatever, um, back in the day. But, um, at, at previous star Wars celebrations, they would show episodes of like, they would show the first episode of a season of rebels. Um, or, yeah. you know, in, in Chicago, I saw the, the, the first episode of season two of star Wars resistance, um, at the panel, mm-hmm. I don't know that they would do that with Disney plus. Um, although I would expect bad batch is coming out sometime relatively soon after celebration. I don't know when it's happening, but I don't think it's going to be too far off. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they show, if not an episode, um, at least show a significant amount of footage of, of bad batch season two on Sunday. So I will look forward to that. Maybe I'll get into that panel, Ryan, maybe you'll get into that panel. We'll see what happens with the lottery, etc. going to try to get into that panel. I will save that space for someone who actually cares about that show. I'm not going right. to go take up a seat at a panel where I don't, that I'm not in. Very altruistic of you, Ryan. Very altruistic of you. Thank you. Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk quickly. What do you think uh, Friday might be? Do you have any ideas as far as uh, what, you, what you expect on Friday for the big panel? To, to me, it feels like Obi-Wan is the no-brainer. Like, to have the big. Because Obi-Wan... Wait, does it air on Thursday or Friday? Well, it technically releases on Friday, but that means Thursday night, right? So... yeah. Regardless, so, at 10 a.m. on Friday, they, the episodes will have been up for like nine or 10 hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think there will be. I I think it's I think it's an Obi-Wan panel like Obi-Wan makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, that that makes the most sense to me as well. I think that it, it's just it's a little weird because the day before it's like, oh, well, we're doing our, our, our panel about upcoming shows, you know, and it's like, well, you know, Obi-Wan and Mandalorian. It's like, okay, well, I guess if, if, the, if they come out and they say like, hey, Friday is Obi-Wan, then we know that, or well, I shouldn't say we know, but it seems very likely that Thursday is going to be about like lots of big, uh, but Thursday is going to be about a lot of stuff that they're not naming yet. You know what I mean? 
uh, at least mm-hmm. on the press release about the panel, because I don't I just don't think you kick off your show with a bunch of information about Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Bad Batch. And then, you know, do panels about all those shows in the following days. Um, it just, you know, it doesn't really seem like the, the play, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, you could, you'll give 10 minutes to each of those things or something, but I, I would think you, you would be setting aside a, a fair amount of time for other stuff at that panel. If, uh, if Obi-Wan's getting his own, his own panel. And it, it, and it does seem like, I mean, it seems a little weird to do a panel about Mandalorian season three and a panel about Bad Batch when those shows are further out. Meanwhile, Kenobi is launching, like it's there. So you can talk a lot more about it than you could talk about those other things. So I would agree. I think, I think Kenobi makes the most sense. Um, I think other possibilities though, that they don't really feel like the right thing for a Friday morning panel, but I could see a star Wars games, like video games panel, um, being a possibility, but it doesn't have to be in that slot. That could be at any time, you know, during the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see, I would be thrilled. It doesn't seem likely, but I would be thrilled if it was like, Hey, let's talk live action movies. You know, let's do a panel about that. I'd be thrilled if they did that. Uh, So I think that's a possibility thrilled as well. I don't think we, I don't think we see films. I don't think we get filmed updates at this celebration. Okay. I don't think we get yeah, we gotta hear film. Something. I don't think we get film updates that are concrete, that are filled with concrete details and showing us anything from the film. Well, we can't see you can't see anything because they haven't filmed anything. So yeah. Well, no, I meant like even concept art or anything. I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any film that is far enough along to even be able to be like this is concept art because this is something that is definitely going to be in this film yeah no that makes sense um we'll see i i have hope that they're going to surprise us in some in on some level at some point during the weekend and be like um we still make star wars movies too you know and i, I don't expect anything concrete really as you said but i i would love for them to be like Disney plus is cool. We've got some great shows coming out. Like just know that we are, we're working on movies too. And if it was like, I don't know, uh, an update on rogue squadron, or I'd love to hear something about Taika's movie or, you know, just bring Ryan Johnson out. Just let him, let him, let him freestyle for a couple minutes and talk about his, <laughs> his movie. Uh, I think something like that would be cool. Um, but yeah, I know that uh, you would love that too. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other possibility real quick is Attack of the Clones, I think. Uh, an Attack of the Clones, you know, anniversary panel is a possibility too. But again, like Friday doesn't really feel like the day they would necessarily do that. So um, hopefully they'll do something like that. But, you know, they could just do <sighs> like a, a handful of panels about different aspects of Attack of the Clones also throughout the weekend. And mm-hmm. it's like, because that's what they've done before. Like when they did the Empire Strikes Back or, you know, there's been uh, celebrations that have celebrated the anniversary of star Wars movies before where you don't necessarily do like the celebration Chicago, like do one big panel about the Phantom Menace. It's more like you have a couple different panels throughout the weekend that are, you know, addressing different parts of, you know, celebrating it in different ways, different times, et cetera, smaller panels. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's just as good of an option, honestly, as the attack of the clones, like big kick, you know, panel like they did for Phantom Menace. 
So who knows? I I don't know. I think we get, I think we get an Obi Wan panel with Hayden and Ewan, and then we get them back for an Attack of the Clones panel. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm sure Hayden would be game. I, I'm curious to see how much Ewan wants to talk about Attack of the Clones that weekend or whatever, but no, he probably would, I guess. Yeah. Um, as long as you got other people. If you get George, I'll go. You know what I mean? Maybe George will be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. He won't. <laughs> maybe <laughs> he maybe he'll record a video on his iPhone in the back of a restaurant in California. And that was such a, I totally forgot about that. What a great move. We were all like for months ahead of time, like, oh, my God, what if George comes to celebrate the Phantom Menace? Like, yeah, yeah he took 10 minutes out of not even 10 minutes. Like, he was like, <laughs> like 45 seconds and there's like cooks banging around behind him. Like he didn't even, you know, like he didn't even let them send like a nice little, you know, two or three person crew to interview, you know, to film his video at his house or something like. No, no. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it was, perfect. that was, it was great. It was, that was the, <laughs> that was the white Nike tennis shoes, um, you know, and flannel shirt tucked into a pair of jeans with a sport coat over it. Uh, you know, video for Phantom Menace. Like, like it, it was that much effort, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, that's very George Lucas. So it was perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there's a lot to look forward to for celebration. We're going to be talking a lot about it, um, in the weeks to come. And I'm sure we'll continue to hear more. Um, they've, they've been announcing more guests. I don't know, like, you know, some people are coming. It's going to be good. Uh, I don't necessarily want to, you know, run through all of them, but, uh, yeah. but uh, uh, as we, more, uh, uh, we Saturday night are going to be at, uh, Mosh Isley. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's Which where you'll like, find us. Yep. Saturday night. That's like S- Star Wars emo night, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that should be fun. Yeah, we are definitely doing that. Um, okay, Ryan, uh, I wanted to talk about Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga for just a couple minutes before we wrap up here. Because um, I've been playing that on the Xbox One X. And uh, yeah, I figure some of our listeners are probably interested in Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. So um, it is pretty much what you would expect it to be as far as a Lego Star Wars game goes. Um, we've both played a, a number of those, right? You've played a handful mm-hmm. of Lego Star Wars games mm-hmm. in the past. So you know how it goes. Um, they're pretty simple. Uh, they are funny. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know. Yeah, sometimes. And uh, <laughs> they're they're good for they're they're great games to play like with kids and stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um nothing about Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is really breaking that mold, I wouldn't say. Um it is uh I feel like some of the older ones definitely had some quality of life issues or there would be times where I'd be just like banging my head against the wall because I do find it a little bit in this game. Like, let's say, for instance, you're supposed to press the B button to build something to solve a certain puzzle, right? Like, you know, because you have like you you walk into a room and you break a bunch of stuff to get uh, what do they call them? The uh, the things that you collect, the piece, the Lego pieces that you collect studs. Uh, you walk into a room, you break a bunch of stuff so you can collect the studs like because that's what you do in Lego Star Wars games. Um, and but then like sometimes you have to like then use all those pieces that you, you know, the pieces of the stuff that you broke to build a thing to solve a puzzle. Right. And there's 
in the past, there was a lot of times when I played Lego Star Wars games where it's like, okay, I can clearly see that I'm supposed to build something to solve this puzzle or like, there's nothing like particularly like difficult about the puzzle itself, but you'd have to be standing in the exact right place and see the thing pop up at the exact right time. And like many times playing Lego Star Wars games in the past, I had that frustrating experience where after 20 minutes of banging my head against the wall, it was the thing I thought it was in the beginning, except for like, it just wasn't really like executed well and that you could easily pull it off, you know, not because it's difficult just because you have to be like every single circumstance has to align just right. And then you press one button and then it does the thing that you wanted it to do initially, but you couldn't get it to actually execute that series of events or whatever. So long story short, that kind of stuff happens, I think fairly frequently in Lego star Wars games. Um, so far it's happened the least of any Lego star Wars game in this game. Um, I haven't had, any situation where I was stuck in some place for more than five minutes trying to figure out, you know, something. And I haven't had any scenario so far where it's like, Oh my God, I've been trying to do this one thing for 10 minutes and it just wouldn't let me do it. And then it finally did. I haven't had any of that kind of stuff. So that's a good thing. Uh, I think it looks super nice. Um, it's a very, you know, modern game and, uh, there's some great like lighting effects and, uh, you know, the, the Lego style, um, works well in the star Wars, you know, universe or whatever, as it always has, but you know, it's the best looking version of one of these games so far. So I think that's really great. Um, the setup is, I really like the setup as far as this is the Skywalker saga. So there's nine movies. So you play, you know, each of those movies, um, you have to start with a new hope, which I did. Uh, as far as I could tell, anyways, you have to start with a new hope and you finish a new hope and then it opens up the Phantom Menace and it opens up the Force Awakens. But in order to play Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, you have to finish Force Awakens. You have to do the the mm. each trilogy in order. So, okay. you know, you can't jump straight to Revenge of the Sith or Return of the Jedi. Um, so when I finished a new hope, it opened up Empire Strikes Back, but it also opened up the ability to start either of the other two trilogies. So okay that's kind of how that works yep um so so far i've played a new hope um phantom menace and also uh the force awakens Hmm. each of those movies to just do like the main story objectives or whatever probably takes like i would say in between like an hour and a half and two hours uh something like that so i mean fairly substantial when you consider the fact there's nine of them um Yeah. And then like if I when I go back on the map, because there's like or like the menu or whatever, where you can choose the nine different movies like for either any of those, it shows me as being like 35 to 45 percent complete as far as like things to do after, you know, playing those hour and a half, two hours just to do the story stuff. So I can go back in and there's lots of things I could do still, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I will or not, but there's a lot of stuff I could do to go in there and like kind of complete everything. So, Mm -hmm. um, that is fun also. Uh, yeah. And then there's like the whole free play thing. So, um, basically you can access anything that you've, you've any missions or, or, you know, content that you've completed so far, you can go back in and do free play. And there's also like a map of the galaxy and any of the planets and areas you've been to in the story stuff, you can go back and like explore. So, um, and it's finished force awakens. So the last place I went was Octo. So now like on the map, I can fly to Octo and there's stuff you can do in the space around Octo, which is like, or around any planet, which is pretty much like you can get into little skirmishes and 
battles and stuff or do little races and you know there's just like little Mm -hmm. side missions in space or you can go down to the planet and then you know look for side missions and things to do down there as well um so yeah it's uh it's a lot of content um the stuff i played so far has been pretty fun not too frustrating um kind of like the best of lego star wars uh or i guess not the best of because it's not like it's recreating uh content from other games but it's just like maybe the most refined or or least janky of any lego star wars game i've played so far uh i guess although yesterday i booted it up and there were no character models so it was like lightsabers (laughs) and blasters just floating (laughs) i was like wait what's going on here um so I, i had to like just quit the game and restart it and then it was fine so um that's been the one bug i've encountered so far but um yeah and and the humor is is pretty good i i'm not a star wars humor guy i don't really like space balls um i was horribly uh uh grossed out by the the concept of detours like i'm not i'm not really one for star wars humor in general too much i Mm. like a good funny star wars t-shirt i guess but um yeah i'm not a huge star wars humor guy i like humor in my star wars movies i don't like um spoofs of parody parody yeah 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 uh that being said this game has made me laugh out loud a number of times so okay um it's it's Mm. pretty funny there's also there's also like today i was uh, i was i was doing the sequence in the force awakens where ray goes down into the basement of maz's castle and the lightsaber is calling out to her right and like you know in the movie you hear obi-wan's voice telling her ray these are your first steps so um there's a series of voices that you hear in this game and like I'll give you one example that's not very funny to me is one of those voices is Anakin talking about how he doesn't like sand. So like, I was like, mm, okay, so this is like that really generic ass star Wars humor. That's like been beaten into the ground and, you know, done to death. That stuff's not funny, but there's plenty of like way more clever stuff that is pretty funny. So I'd say the, the ratio of hit or miss as far as humor goes is, is pretty solid, pretty good. And I say that okay. as somebody who's not particularly amenable to Star Wars parody humor, and it's still good to me, mostly. So, okay, okay, yeah, hmm. yep. Um, so anyway, I guess uh, those are those are kind of my general impressions of uh, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Um, it was a game we talked about when it was announced, and then talked about again when we found out that the uh, labor practices at the studio that that put it together were were not great, and uh, I think that's probably why you haven't played the game, Ryan, is because of all the uh, the information about the practices of Telltale games and, and that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's kind of two-sided. It's one, um, I've played Lego Star Wars games um, in the past, um, and they're not, like, exactly my favorite um, yeah. Star Wars games. And, like, this is one I, like, probably would have picked up but i wasn't like super excited about it because you know i think like it it does seem like it's and i i read some reviews and stuff and it does seem like it's the most polished of the games and most refined best looking everything so i probably would have picked it up um but you know kind of at this point like i have so many video games that like i'm actually playing and excited about and yeah with like the all the toxic culture there um i'll i'll definitely 
pick it up, I will probably just, you know, get a used copy um, Mm. when it, uh, when it, uh, when it hits. Um, Also, I generally mostly play for like brand new games. Um, I mostly play on PS5 um, Mm -hmm. at this point because that's kind of my preferred controller and um the ps5 version apparently launched in not um not great shape um well not like horrible but like not on par uh, with like the pc and xbox series x versions um you know despite being like at the same kind of power level so um yeah i'm figuring probably a few months from now um i'm sure it'll be like these games drop in price like pretty fast um generally and then they like stay at $20 forever <laughs> um if not if not lower so I'll probably just pick up a used PS5 copy once they've ironed out some of the kinks and uh it's 20 bucks or whatever down the road yeah yeah my justification for it, I had two two reasons I ended up I mean I was thinking you know we talked about it when when the yeah. the sto- the information came out about it you know not being great in terms of the development practices and stuff and uh, labor practices. And, you know, I was like, well, uh, maybe I don't want to get it and support it. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I feel like my son would love this, like Elliot, my younger son, like, and it's a Mm. good game to play together. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing is I had COVID, uh, I tested positive for COVID like the day it came out. So I was like, I'm going to be home for a couple days. I should, you know, like that's a good, it's a good thing to do while I'm home. Totally. Yeah. So those are the two things I was thinking. But anyway, as far as Elliot goes, like he has played a little bit of it with me and he likes it and he he he's been watching me play it and stuff too. But uh man, I can't get him to stop playing Fortnite and play this with me. So, you know, Fortnite <laughs> tricks again as far as the little oh, kids go. Man. So it's it's Smash Brothers or Fortnite at your house. That's, that's absolutely what it is, a hundred percent. Yep, yep. So uh yeah. But anyway, it's it's definitely good. If you like Lego Star Wars games, it's um maybe the best one. Um Looking forward to seeing, uh, like the Last Jedi. I think it's gonna be really fun to do in uh, in Lego Star Wars and, and Rise of Skywalker as well. So, um, you know, part of me was tempted to just do like, oh, I just want to play the sequel trilogy because that's like the newest stuff, you know. But I'm right. like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go like one, you know, back and forth instead of just like do the whole sequel trilogy because uh, I'll be less excited to go back to the other stuff afterwards. So, um, next up, I'll probably do Empire Strikes Back, and then I think I'll do. Attack of the Clones, Ryan, which is uh, going to be fun. So, I perfect. expect some some good humor in there, <laughs> and then I'll move on to Last Jedi. So, yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. Well, that's a little bit on Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. I think uh, we better wrap it up here. Oh. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks for uh, listening, and um, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast as we. Um, approach Star Wars Celebration. We approach um, Star Wars Day coming up in just a couple of weeks here. Maybe there'll be some fun stuff happening as far as May the 4th goes. But um, yeah, we'll be back soon with more Blockade Runner Podcasts. Until then, you can find everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run uh, or email the show blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Ryan, you are on Twitter at Malay V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y. Yeah, um, and I don't think we're going to do a post-show because i got to get going here as far as Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is concerned. Mm. But um, it's man, good. it's really good. That's it's so good. Show. Yeah, it's awesome. That's the post-show. <laughs> it's, it's so really, fun. It's really, really it, funny. It, it, it's really, so funny. 
it has an idea of what it wants to do, who the audience is, and it it delivers. It's it's not the best movie of the year, but it's it really does what it sets out to do. Yeah, really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It, yep, yep. And I had to tell you, I was laughing out loud like. I was vocal watching this movie, uh, mm-hmm. involuntarily vocal watching the movie. So mm-hmm. um, it's it is good for a kids movie, really good for a kids movie. But just uh, I think it's a really fun movie overall. And if you, if you have any affection at all for Sonic the Hedgehog, then you know I think you'll like it. And if you if you have affection for Knuckles, you are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles stole stole the show for me. I know we're not we're, we weren't doing this, but oh man, Idris Elba, yeah, yeah, just. Especially towards the end. Went so and, and hard. He sold. did not need to go that hard. And he just did. I wasn't sold on the concept of uh of Knuckles, you know, in, in, in this movie necessarily. Um and in in the trailer they showed his like debut where he's like real tough and like, you know, fighting Sonic or whatever. And I was like, ah, that's fine. Um yeah, he definitely won me over by the end. So um he is uh pretty sweet. Gonna have to go play some Sonic and Knuckles, um, you know, after watching oh. that movie. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. We're going to wrap up here and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. We are all the Republic. <laughs>